Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is David Boxerbaum. David is partner and literary agent at Ferv Talent and Literary Agency. David, we are very excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Glad to be here. My first question is always, where are you in the world right now? I want to guess that you are based somewhere in California. You are right about that. I'm currently based in Los Angeles, though it feels like this day and age you'd be based anywhere in the world and, and still be doing your job effectively um, based on everything we're all going through. But yes, I'm currently based in Los Angeles with my family. In regards to quarantine, obviously, everyone's working from home right now, writers included, and obviously agents, I imagine, as well. From your perspective, how has quarantine affected your work as an agent? And then also, how has it affected the industry as a whole? Well, it's definitely been a hurdle and, and obviously a, a new um, process for us to figure out for everybody currently, not just an orange business. Obviously, it's for the entire uh, world, clearly, right? To figure out how you deal with being, uh, you know, work from home and trying to get, trying to juggle not only your work life, but your home life, your family life, your staying in life, your not going out life, all of those things that then becomes a one big and one big pot. Um, so, um, just to focus though solely on what I know, which is our business, um, it's definitely affected it in the sense that I think, you know, a lot of the things that I love about being an agent and the agency is the social aspect of it. It's being around your um, associates, being around your, I can say, verb the family in itself as well. So being around the family itself and kind of feeling, feeding off that energy. Um, You still obviously are seeing your colleagues and associates um, on Zoom and you're doing so many of those and you're speaking to them on a routine basis, but the actual feeling of being around them and kind of having that energy and that kind of core of uh, meetings and in, 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 you know, obviously in person meetings, all that is not there and that, and hopefully that will come back at some point, but currently clearly it's not there. So that's definitely changed. Um, and I think it's, you have to adapt. Um, and when it comes to the actual work and clearly COVID has affected every aspect of our business when it comes to production and development and selling things and, and different aspects of all aspects of a business. So, Again, it's been about adapting to what buyers are looking for now and their, and their kind of like change in, in kind of their taste and what they can and cannot push through at the streamers and studios now. And, and obviously television series and all those kind of things that necessarily are, are different from what maybe would have been bought pre-pandemic. So there is this uh, kind of like discussions we always have is what was pre-pandemic and what is now quarantined pandemic kind of material, right? So um, it changes. Um, I, I, I am very thankful and humbled and um, I'd say uh, great, grateful that Verve is has been successful and we've had a lot of great success even during this 
tough trying time. Um, and they get to speak volumes to not only how we built the agency, but the people inside the walls that work there. So that's always been really uh, kind of a a bright spot, I guess, if there is one of this whole pandemic. But but in in general, it's been definitely difficult, and it's about trying to adapt and trying to kind of figure out a way to adjust in this new kind of way. You work with writers. Do you have any words of wisdom in regards to quarantine for those writers who are at home and they're maybe struggling with finding inspiration? Maybe they've got writer's block and maybe they're stressed out, that kind of thing. Listen, man, by no means. We're all, we're all, we're all struggling. I am so unbelievably um, appreciative and understanding of what the artist goes through during this time. Um, and so I understand that it is tough to write from a place of being inside this kind of environment that we're currently all in as a, as a whole, because we're all in this together, clearly. Um, and, and the only words of wisdom I have is that the, the greatest gifts you have as a writer is you have the ability to create story every day, right? From, from a pen and paper, obviously, to keyboarding and computer, to living in during a quarantine, non-quarantine, pandemic, non-pandemic, Los Angeles, the Paris, France, whatever it may be, you always have the power to be a storyteller if you choose to be that. So the, my my words of wisdom, inspiration are just tell a story. You know, try to try to find that inspiration that lets you tell a story that lets you escape what we're all dealing with. So escapism is a word that I use so much during this time that we're all currently in, and it's escapism is what I think a lot of the business right now, the buyers, the viewership, people at home, obviously, everybody is looking for. So if you are a writer and you're a storyteller and you have an opportunity to use escapism to even get yourself out of this mentality every day, it's a powerful tool to use. And I say, you know, uh, I, I, I commend you and I, and I try to tell my writers and my clients and directors and anybody, use that power, use that tool just to escape the current situation that we're in. Love that. Before we talk process, I would love to hear about your origin story. Did you always want to be an agent? Can you walk us through your career trajectory sure. leading up to, to right now? Sure. I mean, I know it's, it would, that would be scary. If I don't know if anybody ever wakes up one day and says, I want to be an agent. Uh, that would be a, definitely a, a fascinating <laughs> uh, <laughs> path and profession to choose um, with all the... Uh, interesting um, kind of obviously the, the things that come along with being an agent. But um, my path is basically I'm a, I'm a film junkie like most who are in the arts. Uh, I grew up watching, you know, getting my hands and getting reading and watching and, and seeing and going to the movies and seeing as much as I could growing up, some of the greats, um, and obviously watching tons of television too. So I always grew up a fan of the art. I always grew up a fan of storytelling and that medium. Uh, both the film and television. Um, when I got a chance to um, get my hands on a, on a camera and be the kid in the backyard filming, or or you know getting my friends together to put together a short film, whenever I did all of that. So I was definitely that for that kind of kid, which led me to then go to film school uh, at NYU, and um, you know there's where I really kind of found that love again. I always had that love, that real love for the for the for the craft of it. Um, after film school, I came out to uh, Los Angeles and 
I decided that for me, my personal journey and my path was going to be learning the business on the business side of it. If I was ever going to be a successful filmmaker and never say never, there's always that little film school kid, you know, that love that lives inside of me. I think I actually, that still tends to come out in most of my dealings with my clients is that love and appreciation for the art that they're currently in. But there's that film school kid inside of me. Um, so when I went about trying to, uh, you know, get a job in the business, I said I wanted to get, like I said, learn kind of the everything about it I could from a sp- perspective of understanding what it's like to try to get a movie made on the business side. So I got a job working uh, at Jerry Bruckheimer Films, where I started there, my one of my first gigs, and that was a very, very welcome to Hollywood kind of eye-opening experience working for somebody who was creating arguably the biggest movies and franchises of that era and time. Um, and it was a really amazing time to be around and see, you know, Armageddon and all these movies that he was doing getting made. Um, so that was a real kind of eye-opening experience coming from film school into that and the kind of the high concept kind of mentality of filmmaking and films being made. Um, I then went from there and someone said, listen, if you really want to learn the business, so I was there for about a year and I, I, I kind of, learned quickly that I appreciated the producing aspect of it, but I still had so much more to learn to understand. And um, someone said, listen, if you really want to learn it, you should get a job working in an agency mailroom. That's kind of where you learn. That's the hub of it all. That's kind of where information flows the most. And so um, I got a job working at William Morris mailroom and quickly got a desk and kind of the, the that trajectory took off in the sense of that's where my agent kind of training started. Um, I worked at Lane Moore for, for a few years for some of them, some of the kind of great agents there at the time who were kind of these mentor types. I then went and worked at Endeavor when it William Moore was kind of shifting its kind of shifting its way and its leadership. I left there, went to Endeavor, worked for Ari Emanuel and Eric Greenberg, all these great, obviously that still to this day, agents. Um, who have now obviously merged with Morris, but at the time Endeavor, which is what Verve kind of I think represents now, was what, what was great about Endeavor then was that it was this unbelievable, unbelievable kind of home of great artists, great agents in a very intimate setting. And I think that's kind of what Verve represents today is the AA AAA plus of clients in all different aspects, but a very intimate setting with top notch, great people behind those clients, agents behind them, selling them. Um, so um, worked there. And then I kind of took another detour and went back into producing, worked at RKO Pictures for a few years, quickly learned as much as that was a great experience in the producing aspect, that I was much more built for the agency route. Um, and I went back into agenting and kind of worked my way back up at different agencies and then various years. And then I was at this one agency called Paradigm. Um, and um, I had known, obviously, the guys who started Verve many a years ago when I worked at Endeavor. We all worked together there. And um, they had talked about me joining them as a partner and kind of like, what would that look like? And for quite some time, we talked about it and kind of discussed and never was never really felt right. And I was very happy at the place I was at. And and then just the stars aligned and timing was right. And I... Uh, decided to take a leap and, and join these guys and it's been the best experience and best decision I've made in my business career and it brought me to this place we are now. And again, we're 11 years strong and uh, I think arguably, like I said, the best agency for 
the creme de la creme, I like to say, of the artists working today, storytellers, um, actors, authors, writers, directors, you name it, visionary, uh, visionaries, and um, in a very in a setting that still has the reach and the size that is as big as I think they come, but yet in a more intimate setting within the walls of, of the agency. It kind of gives you a good snapshot without spending three hours uh, going through every minutia <laughs> of, my, of, of, my, of my origin. <laughs> Love that. For those listening who may be future visionaries in creme de la creme, based on what you uh, just referenced. I would love to get into your process of what it means to be an agent. Are you cool to kind of school us on it? We can walk through step-by-step, if that's cool with you. Yeah, sure. First question, for those who don't know, what is the difference between a literary agent, a talent agent, and even a manager? Can you walk us through those key differences? Sure. The lines are so blurred these days, but in general, agents notoriously are known to be the ones that are more in the deal on the, on the front lines in you know, the deal making process and out there really kind of hunting and gathering the information and jobs and and all of those kind of sorting out sorting out the opportunities for you. Whereas managers are doing more of the day to day hand holding, they like to say, development process notes, prepping you for meetings, all of that. Again, those lines are tremendously blurred because here at Verve and what I love about this agency is that. 100% of the agents here do majority of the things I talked about that managers do as well. Not to take anything away from, I have um, profound respect for many of the managers I work with, if not all of them, and they do an amazing job. And uh, the best thing I could say is the best team is a collaborative team that works together and is on the same page. It's very synced up, um, but the balance is there. So uh, a long one way of saying, I think, Agents and managers are similar in the approach these days. The one thing managers don't do is negotiate and get into like the minutia of the deals with you because that's where the agent usually steps in does that process. As far as talent managers, for those listening who I'm sure people get it confused a lot, talent is for representing actors. Yeah, correct. I mean, I mean, talent, you can say talent being talent in general, writers, directors, actors, you know, it's all, it's all kind of the same thing in that sense. Um, I would say I'm assuming talent managers, talent agents would argue the same thing. Again, the lines are blurred, especially at Verve, because we are so hands-on our approach with our clients. So it's, it's a very managerial aspect to the agency. Love it. Getting more granular with what you do specifically, we've heard that agents discover writers. They work with writers, like you said, to get their work sold, help build their careers over time. Can you Describe your day-to-day overall of what you do more specifically. Sure. I mean, there's no real clear, there's no real definition of every day is this, this going to happen because every day is different. I like to say that's a lot of love and joy about this job is that every day you get to experience something new via your client, via either being a part of a, uh, of a process of selling something or, or, or seeing something get made or seeing something going to production or, God forbid, you know, not selling something in the past and didn't not going to happen. So every job a day is different, but most of it is is trying to continue to push your client's work um, to the screen, whether it be big or small. So that's the end result of all of this, right? It all starts from the kernel of an idea, whether it be a visionary of director or a writer, to then getting to one of the screens, small or big. So. 
that's the real nuts and bolts of the job. Sure, you can go into the minutiae of it, into the you said granular part of it, um, but that's phone calls and emails and conversations and meetings and more meetings and more meetings, you know, and more conversations. But that's all just the granular part. But the real job, the real definition of what we do is trying to see the art make it to the screen or the art make it to the bookshelf or the art make it to the stage and theater or the art make it to, you know, a podcast, you know, or whatever it may be. So there's so many different aspects of it, but aspects of it. But at the end of the day, the real draw, the real focus is, and I'll speak for myself, is see, is taking that art, taking that kernel of the idea, taking that passion, and and finding a home for it, find a way to so it can be taken before the masses. Love that. As far as the clients that you have, can you walk us through how you find writers? I'm sure those listening are very curious to know how sure. people a find you and then how you find people yeah there's really no there's honestly i wish i could tell you there's really a clear defined way there isn't i've had this conversation with many people and i've spoken on panels before and in conventions or whatever and i've given these conversations these pieces these talks about it and it still comes down to the same kind of answer how long i've been doing this now way too long i'll age myself here 20 some odd years um is Great material, great voices find a way, right? So whether it comes from, you know, uh, relationships you already have with managers or via clients, other clients, or just, you know, uh, someone recommends something or through a friend, of you just find it finds its way. So from other agencies, people who are trying to leave and, and seek other opportunities with another agency or manager. So it's, it's just, there, there's, there's real no clear cut one way you find representation. I can say that query letters for me, it's not a business I'm in and never has been. So that just hasn't necessarily been a business for myself. It might, might be for others. I'm not going to knock it for any me by any means, but just for me personally, it's not mine, my, my way of going about it. It's always been trusting your voice, trusting your, sorry, trusting your taste and believing in the voice. If you, if you read something or see something that you are, passionate about is belief. Do you have the belief? Do you believe in the art? Do you believe in the story? Do you believe in the in the vision? And if you believe in that, that's how I've always lived by my my kind of code in my career. And it's always kind of led me the right way. You just went through some of the ways you find, you know, writers, but for those who, you know, are able to get in touch with you, let's say through, like you said, a referral, something like that, how important sure. is it beyond the work itself? besides reading the work, that the work itself is a proven, let's say, IP, something that exists on the internet and is proven, or let's say it's won awards. How important are those, the ability for it to show a proven audience? That's not important to me. That's, I mean, that, that, that's sure, that's nice to see, but that's not proven. It's really about what's on the page. How is the voice on the page? How is the voice on the screen? It's not to be a proven piece of IP or brand or anything like that. For me, it's about, does it speak to me in a way that, I feel I can be passionate about this, about this person, and can I make this person's career better than what it is? Can I elevate this career? Can I get behind this person? I feel I can add value to that career. Um, and if that, if I answer all those questions for myself, then I know this is the kind of person I want to be in business with. So it doesn't matter if it's something that's written based on a big piece of IP or brand, whatever, or something that's personal, personal and small, and intimate to that person. Um, 
it's something that I have to believe in the voice that's on the page. And you're going to hear that so many times, whether it be for me or anybody else you speak to on these podcasts about the board voice. But it is critical in the decision-making process, I think, when any agent takes on any client is do you believe in that voice. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. As far as those writers who are trying to find an agent, what about the body of work? I imagine that your answer to this may be that it doesn't matter per se, but is there a body of work? Is there a certain amount of time that writers should be working before they're at a point, whether that's in their career or on a specific work? Is there a matter of you know hours put in they should do to get to a point where they're confident that they're vetted themselves per se before reaching out and looking for representation? No, no. I mean, I, I have signed writers who are as seasoned as they come and have written uh, many, many, many produced master, you know, massive films. I have signed writers who are brand new um, just starting out in their first or second screenplay. Um, again, it goes back to the same conversation and question that was previous, which is you just believe in them. Um, sure. Does it help if somebody has already had success and is already on, on a trajectory that's going to continue with the success? That surely helps financially when it comes to the bottom line of a business, right? But if you believe in somebody and you believe in their voice, you believe in their storytelling abilities, again, on the page or behind the camera, then it shouldn't matter about where they are in their career. It's about, do you believe in them? Um, and that's always been something I've lived by in the kind of the code that I've kind of said during my career. Where Once you sign a writer, what are those next steps? Are you helping them sure. to develop a particular project? Are you going over a handful of ideas and vetting those? Yeah, all of the above. I mean, you're, you're, you're hitting it right on the head. It's all of the above. It's a lot of just like planning and kind of figuring out strategy. That's the, I'm a big strategist. Um, and I love to kind of really get into the nuts and bolts of figuring out what we want to be in the one, three, five, seven, ten year career path. 
trajectory. So I love to kind of break down, okay, what do we want to work on? What kind of movies we want to write or direct kind of stories we want to tell kind of TV shows you want to sell all those things that you would expect that, that maybe an agent might not, might not ask, or just if they only care about that one thing you had in front of you, I like to know everything. I'm a very detail oriented person. So it's all about, okay, let's get to, let's get into like, here's that word again, granular of like, how are we going to get you to the point a, B, C of where you want to be in your career, um, and let's figure out the stepping stones to get there. So it's a lot of a lot of planning, and everybody's different. Every client has a different trajectory and path, and you just have to figure out kind of what the best one for that client is to get to where they want to be: writer, director, um, you know, um, anything, film, TV, you name it. For those new writers that you represent, let's say they have a writing sample. Is it possible these days for you to pitch? a show or a film mm-hmm. for a new writer and get that sold? Or is the strategy usually for new writers to use that work as a writing sample, get them on a staffing job, that kind of thing? What's your strategy usually there? So a new writer with an actual script in hand, you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're talking features, it doesn't matter again, if they're a new writer or they've been around for 20 some odd years with 15 different produced credits. I mean, if the script is speaks to what people are looking for in the buying market right now, absolutely. There's opportunity to sell or put that picture on a road financially for that writer to, to gain success. Um, in TV, uh, it's a little different because, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a up, more of an uphill battle to usually starts with getting on staff for a new writer and kind of building up their, their, pro, their profile doing that portfolio, I should say, the pro portfolio kind of being on staff and kind of building up to a place where they can then go sell television. Um, but for feature writers, out of the gate, if there's something that's wonderful for that they have that speaks to a kind of a spec in the, in the market people are looking for, then absolutely they can sell it. What about working with you? Are there experiences you've had with writers, pros and cons that you would pass along for those who hope to one day have an agent, are there things that you would suggest, ways they can best work with you to ensure their success? For a client working with myself, you're saying, and how that relationship could be exactly. successful? What you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I think, I think for any writer, um, for me personally, I always say, and I really believe this, great writers write, right? Just continue to hone your craft. It's great to understand the business. I think as well, do your research, understand kind of the machinations of what a, what the business is and to read up on on what's going on and kind of understand the current uh trend the word trend i hate i don't like that word but current um uh, let's say projects that are going on that you see that are obvious that are selling that are getting made and kind of the you know what's happening if, but if you are still thinking that you know the only way you get a movie made is via theatrical release and clearly you're not up to date on what's happening in the current market, right? When it comes to streaming and all these places. So it's understanding the market, understanding kind of where the the business is going. That's always important. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to the art and writing and honing your craft. This is your job that you choose to do on a daily basis. It's working on that craft every day, honing it and working on that skill. Just like I try to work every day and learn as an agent and be better every day because clearly there's not a day goes by that I think I've accomplished it all or I've learned it all or I've, I know it all. It's, I'm still learning every day. I'm still figuring out things as we go because that's what great, I think, great leaders do is they continue to be open to the fact of learning and understanding. 
Um, and that's something that I pride myself on. Um, and I think as a writer, as a storyteller, as a director, it's always working on that as well. You mentioned at one point the taste of streamers and studios. Do you have any words of wisdom for those writers who are maybe starting a new project and thinking about you know today's current situation? Are there things that right now you suggest maybe you know they shouldn't do to save themselves time? Totally. I think you should always write what you're passionate about, write what excites you. Having said that, clearly we're in a time of of a era that no one has ever seen before with this pandemic, global pandemic, and this thought of movies that seem to live in the darker space, right? And the space that deals with death and destruction and all of those things are still, I think, wonderful to write if they're told from a certain lens and if that's what you're passionate about, but but know that those are going to have a harder time currently as we sit now finding a home, I believe, in the marketplace based on what people are looking for, which is more escapism and much more things that it will kind of give them a little bit of a departure, at least for those two hours or that hour or a half hour, whatever it may be, from the current conditions that we're currently living under. You mentioned escapism. Obviously, we've been in a, based in the past year, people are definitely going to want to escape. But over the past, you know, 10, 20 years, we've been in this superhero situation where mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of superhero movies. Do you foresee this continuing to be a thing for a while? Do you think there'll be fatigue with that genre? Will the world itself have to just get a lot brighter and happier <laughs> for people to <laughs> finally want darker films? <laughs> what are your thoughts? I don't think so. I think the I think the word, um, like you said, the idea of of superhero and those kind of you know DC Marvel whatever they be movie Star Wars all those things Mandalorian proven that clearly not right and Mandalorian is arguably one of the biggest shows you know out right now on television streaming you know or or not and um, I think that people still find those shows as dark as those can be as dark as movies can get. That's still escapism, right? That's still make believe in a sense, much as much all movies are make believe in a sense of like you know, um, in a sense of like you know what you're doing non documentary. Um, it still is escapism is still involved. Escapism is still a part of those superhero movies, no matter what, because they're it's it's the idea of being something you're not, being a superhero with a power, and as much as dark as it may be you still feel like you're you're escaping from the current condition that we all live in right now in any of those movies, I feel. So I don't see those, I don't see it, nor should they. I don't see them going away anytime soon. What about films that take place during this current 2020, people wearing masks, things like that? You mentioned escapism. Right now, to the best of what I've seen, I haven't seen a ton of content where mm-hmm. people are, what you see when you look out your window, people wearing masks, that kind of thing. Do you think that there is, at this current moment, not quite a need for that kind of stuff? If writers are thinking, oh, I want to tell a story about right now. Yeah, the quarantine movies. I mean, we've seen a couple of those get made, and I don't think that those are... The pandemic slash quarantine movies are, I think, are niche at best. I think people don't want to necessarily see something that they're living in every day, um, personally. That's my own personal opinion. I'm happy to be proven wrong and i'm sure i will be proven wrong but i personally don't believe that movies have to do with anything involving the pandemic or the quarantine are uh i mean it's one thing to be wearing masks 
just because that's just the nature of either the filming or what it serves the story. But when it's about necessarily the pandemic or surviving it or the plague and all of that, to me personally, I don't think people want to see that. I think they want to keep it from that. As far as your plan for the careers of the writers you work with, what is your overall, I know you touched on it briefly, but what is your overall goal for your writers when you sit down with them and you plot out a trajectory? What do you hope for them? What do those conversations look like when you say, I want to get you from point A to point B? I mean, they're all different for everybody. I mean, honestly, because they're, everybody has a different trajectory, different goal, and different path. Um, but the ultimate conversation and, and then what the end point of all of it is, how do we find success for what you want in your career, right? It's always about the artist's journey and the artist's vision. So for me, it's about how do I best service that journey, that vision, and those that appetite and what you are aspiring to have and get in your career and be. So every conversation is geared towards that. Um, I've worked at plenty of places in my career where it's always been about what's my agenda. And it's always about what for us here at Verve, especially myself and for everybody in these walls of Verve, and which is what, again, makes us so special. It's always about what's the artist's agenda and what they want to accomplish in their career. So every conversation that I would have with a client would be geared towards what is it you're looking to accomplish and how can we get there? You were just talking about the plan for your clients, but what about you yourself? You said earlier, hinted that you were a film junkie and you said, never yeah. say never. Is there a world where we see David Boxerbaum getting behind <laughs> the camera? Very funny. <laughs> getting behind the screen very funny. at some point. That's very funny. Uh, you never say never to anything in this, in this crazy world, right? We live in and everybody has aspirations. Um, uh, in their life for, for other things. If I talk to them, client, the client would say they want to be an agent one day. Who knows? Um, but, or, you know, or if someone wants to be a chef, if someone wants to be a, you know, professional baseball player. I mean, honestly, I'm joking. I'm getting crazy here. But my point is, is there's always aspiration. There's always things that you love and appreciate. Um, right now, I love and appreciate what I do. And I love being able to be a part of building these careers to a point that, um, it makes me, um, so proud of seeing the success that that not just myself but Verve has built for many of these uh, clients in their in their lives. Um, so I think for me, it's being a part of something that that's changing, that's changing the art, and that's being a part of something that's that's really important in the narrative of storytelling and and the art form of movies and TV and books and talent and all of those things. So. Being a part of a group that does that is, to me, has been very fulfilling and rewarding, and, and I'm very happy with, with that in my life right now. Love that. Last couple bonus questions. First being, if you could have been involved or worked on or represented any writer, living or dead, is there a particular writer or project that you have worked on in the history of cinema? Is there a certain project? I mean, there's so many, but I mean, I, we can go, we can spend, do this all day. But I think I had this little post-it note a client gave me once that uh, she got off of eBay for like, it was either a Christmas gift or I think it was a, or a sorry, holiday gift or a, or a um, birthday gift for me. And it's um, to David from Frank Capra. And it's because I'm such a huge Frank Capra fan and um, it's a wonderful life. And, and the movie that he was involved in the storytelling to me was, just magical. So why don't we go with Frank Capra just for the sake of this podcast? Uh, I would have loved to have been a part of Frank Capra and telling 
the story of Bedford Falls would have been very spectacular. Follow-up question. If you could take Frank Capra to any restaurant in, let's say, Los <laughs> Angeles, where would you take him and what would you talk about? <laughs> where would I take Frank Capra? Uh, any restaurant in Los Angeles, huh? Let's see. It's a good question. I don't know. Let's see. Where would I think Frank? I'd let Frank Capra take... Frank Capra, I'd let him take me somewhere, right? I mean, I'd, I'd nice. hope that he would take me to one of these great, great uh, old school joints that, you know, I would be in awe of. So... If anything, if I'm if I'm if I'm hanging out with Frank Capper and we're going out, every time we have a meal, I'm asking Frank Capper, where are we going? Where are you taking me? And I hope it's like one of these like old school Mousson Frank kind of like steakhouses that we go to uh, and have a great conversation. I, even though I don't eat actually red meat or steak, even though it would be over a glass of wine um, and a and a nice uh, uh, meal just a conversation about the art of filmmaking, the art of the craft of it and why, and, and what it means to be a storyteller and the stories and the history and all of that. That to me is, I, I'm a true lover of the great, the great that have come before me and will come after me when it comes to the story that, that come from working in this business. So I'm always, I always, my ears always perk up and my mind's always wide open to, to hearing all of those great stories, whether it be from, you know, again, writers, directors, former agents uh, of our time, and, and people who built things that um, I aspire to get to. My second to last question Is there one quality you would say, whether it's a suggestion or something you've noticed in the writers that you either work with or like working with? Is there one quality besides writing itself, something about writers that you particularly enjoy or like to work with these types of writers? What is the one thing besides writing itself that you like to see in them? The idea that you, the idea that you are cracking an idea in the kernel of an idea from the moment you crack it, there's an opportunity for it to change the course of people's days, lives, years, years, lives, days, whatever it may be. But the kernel of an idea can come from someone's mind. It can literally change the way people think if it's done correctly. I mean, that the way it gets to the screen and the screen, the way it affects and impacts people's lives. That, to me, is a beautiful art. And it can affect them in a negative, positive, scary, funny, happy, you know, laughing, crying, romantic, not all way. Whatever it may be, the kernel of the idea, all the way from the written words to where it gets made, can truly affect them. And it starts with, you know, we open on, you know? Love that. Very last question. And you've given us a lot of gems, a lot of advice in this interview. Mm -hmm. But if you had to choose one thing, one learning, as someone who went to film school yourself, is there one thing that you would choose to tell the yeah. writers who are listening right now? Take a moment to appreciate and be proud of what you've accomplished already. Because I sit here and I'm humbled by the notion of being able to sit behind a computer and write every day. And what that takes and what that fortitude it is to need to do that and the art of that process. And you need to, at some point, take a moment and, and give yourself grace and appreciation and, um, and love for what you've accomplished already. And to stay humble, and like I try to do every day, and to appreciate and never give up because the minute you give up, someone else will, take your, will, will continue to grow, continue to take your place in this business. And the joy of the writing art of storytelling is that 
You can do it anytime, like I said, any place and any minute in your life. You can tell a great story. And um giving up is is giving up is giving in. And I think that the key is to continue to always, always believe in yourself and always believe in and cra- honing your craft. I said it before, I'll say it again. Great writers do one thing that no no one else seems to do, and that's just right. Love that. David. The last most important question is, did you have fun with us today <laughs> talking about your job, a, talking about what you did gr- in writing? I had a great time. It was a wonderful uh, 45 minutes spent, and uh, I'm always happy to offer any kind of uh, advice I can give or any kind of little kind of a peel back the onion look into to kind of what the business is like. And um, that's part of what I think my job is, is giving back at this point in my career. So I'm happy to, and I appreciate everything you're doing as well via this podcast. Thank you for your insights and your time. It was an honor. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.